0: Hi, Emily. Hey. Are you ready for some shit?
1: No. (laughs) Like, super not.
0: Yeah. Hey, guys. Hey. This is the uh uh-oh feeling.
1: Yeah. With Taylor and Emily. I made a poor life choice. She did. Because I was like, oh, I want to do something themed with, like, the 1960s because I'm doing hair and... This podcast is going to release on my opening night. So, like, I'm like, oh, yeah, be cool.
0: Thematically bringing your life together. (sighs) Look, so the 60s were rough. (laughs) Uh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like, around the world for a lot of people. (laughs) Yep. So, I can only assume the way you're going to talk about is isn't good or cool in any (laughs) way. (laughs) Oh, no. But that's not what this podcast is about. Mm. Hi, listeners. You're not here to listen to fluff. At least most of the time we did that last episode
1: we did we had a lot of fluff
0: but yeah so we are we're we're back on our bullshit again and we're gonna do some serious stuff oh
1: god (laughs) oh yeah oh yeah oh yeah
0: um so yeah brace yourself this might be a um like a harp noise episode
1: oh it's gonna be a harp noise (laughs) episode probably Um, in the middle of mine because it's gonna be rough
0: yes but emily is going second i am So we will start, I'm going to give you a good old fashioned, uh, lady survival of a serial killer. Would you like to hear a story?
1: I do. Good. I would.
0: But what? Yes. You do would. I do would. (laughs) You would like to hear this story, I hope, because it's actually pretty dope. Sweet. Our survivor's name is Lisa McVeigh Noland. Oh, I'm not sure you might recognize this one. Who knows? I don't know. We'll find out. And the killer that she managed to escape was Bobby Joe Long. So it's just a story full of people with three names Mm. in this one.
1: Sounds about right.
0: And I know that serial killers usually get three names, Mm -hmm. but like, especially since his name would have been Bobby Long. And it's like, how many of those are there? You don't want to be mistaken for this Bobby Long. Mm Mm-hmm. Let me tell you about why you don't want to be mistaken (laughs) for this Bobby Long. He's the fucking worst. I was reading about him and I was like, oh, he's the Golden State Killer of the other end of the country. Except that his ass was fucking caught. Mm. Like, I mean, obviously, that happened to the Golden State Killer recently, which is still really rad. took some time. A whole bunch of time. This guy, yeah, this guy was prolific as fuck. For a pretty short period of time. And has been in prison for a while. So (laughs) I can feel pretty good about that. Here's a little bit of background. On Robert Joseph Long. Just so we know who we're dealing with here. Early life. He was born. Okay this is a little weird. He was born with an extra X chromosome. Oh. Because of which he grew breasts during puberty. For which he was severely teased. Oh I bet. Look that's unfortunate. Like. That's, I mean, that sucks. I, But I don't feel for him because of all the stuff that comes after. He also suffered multiple head injuries. Mm. Red flags. Mm. He had a dysfunctional relationship with his mother. He slept in her bed until he was a teenager. He was jealous of all of her boyfriends. That's a little fucked up. That's
1: also a red flag.
0: He married his high school girlfriend in 1974, with whom he had two children before she filed for divorce in 1980. Mm oh, man, do I wish I could hear the story of that lady. I bet she has seen some shit, to be honest. Props. This part's just called murderin'. <laughs> <laughs> so he divorces his wife in 1980. In 1983, he moves to Tampa Bay, Florida, where he proceeds to kidnap, rape, and murder 10 women in the span of about eight months. Jesus. What's nuts about this? Like what's really fucking nuts? Like it's is this the time period? Because he starts, his first victim turns up in May of 1984, and his last victim is in November of 1984. <laughs> so like, I, I remember reading, I was on Murderpedia, and the police said they, you know, they watched like the average number of homicides. Like obviously they have those numbers. They watched that spike over these months. To so much that they realized that there was one guy, because he had the same MO, leaving dead women naked, tied up, in weird poses around the city. And that this particular guy, this one dude, was averaging a victim every other week. (laughs) Like, he was working so fucking fast. Here's the other thing about him that makes him... When I heard this, I was like, ooh, Golden State Killer E. Before he ever went about and did his murdering, he raped 50 women in oh, the Orlando oh, oh. and like oh, other that's so
1: many. Uh-huh. That's
0: so that's, many.
1: That's so many.
0: He was known as the classified ad rapist. He, yeah. He was in, Oh, not, I shouldn't say, um, Orlando. It was the Fort Lauderdale, Ocala, Miami and Dade County areas. So starting in 1981, he answers. he starts answering classified ads for small appliances. And if he like finds a woman at home alone, Then he rapes her. And that happened 50 fucking times. Like, he was even, he was even tried and convicted for rape. I don't know which one or how many, just in general in 1981. But he requested a new trial, and he was granted a new trial, and then the charges were dropped. Because this world is garbage, trash, made of sorrow and mistakes, and God should have started over. (laughs) <laughs> this like, like this man. Oh my god! This man committed fifty rapes. He gets convicted of like I don't know, just maybe one of them. Then he's like, "No, I would really like to do it again. Do overs one more again." And the justice system is like, "Uh huh." Oh, and by the way, you can go. And then two <laughs> okay, years later, bye. yes, two years later, he moves to Tampa Bay and. He just starts killing ladies. So you know.
1: He learned cool. from him his mistakes. Leave no survivors.
0: Um Oh yeah. wait. Oh wait. Oh
1: wait. Yes. Mm. And that's the perfect segue, because now oh, we're thanks. gonna
0: talk a little bit about Lisa McVeigh Noland. Mm. Uh she is his only survivor once he has started his killing spree. Yeah. So it's November third, nineteen eighty four. So obviously we're nearing the end of Long's murder spree here. I had said like he goes to, fr- till like November eleventh, I think, is when he's caught. Um Lisa is is Long's third to last victim. Mm. So it's crazy to me that like
1: She's she at the survives. end and not at the beginning.
0: Yes. But also that she survives and then he manages to kill two more people before he's caught. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> but either way, yes. Um it is kind of crazy that like he had escalated all the way to murder and done several murders before he met Lisa. But I'm gonna tell you what she fucking did, cause she's a goddamn baller ass bitch. Nice. All right. Lisa is 17 years old. In 1984, she works at Krispy Kreme Donuts.
1: Aw, adorable.
0: Um, and she just got off a double shift, so it's like one in the morning. Um, and she's biking home. Sure. Now, now at this point, there has been a serial killer on the loose for a few months in this area. So like they've been
1: like announcing it though.
0: I think so. Like she, I think people were aware. Mm -hmm. I don't know how much it was in the press, but like she did say like, I, yeah, it crossed my mind that like, this is probably a dangerous thing to do and I need to be careful. But you know, quote from her, you think it can't happen to me, but it did.
1: Oh, but it did.
0: It super did. Mm. But that, like that is a good cue. Like, Sometimes serial killers go around and nobody knows yeah, that it's and happening. Yeah, nobody gets
1: media coverage or nobody recognizes there's a pattern happening or
0: police refuse to acknowledge the pattern publicly even though they're searching yeah. based on a pattern. Yeah. So, yeah, um it's pretty unfortunate. She said she was biking down the same exact route she always takes home, which is not oh, not really great. Just an FYI, vary your routes home. Just in case somebody's fucking following your ass. Survivor tip number 1. Um She said that, like, the path seemed darker this night than it usually does. Which I think is more like a reflection on what happens next. Yeah. (laughs) So, before we get to the actual abduction, here's the really crazy thing. Lisa, that day, was going home to commit suicide. She had been suffering... A family member had been sexually abusing her for basically her entire life. I never did figure out exactly which family member it was. It doesn't say. But doesn't matter. This had been, like, a horrible thing she'd been enduring for her whole life. She had written her suicide note. She was going to go work her double shift at Krispy Kreme. And then she was going to come home and die. That was her plan. So, like, this is probably what's on her mind the whole way home. And then a car comes up and honks at her as it passes. Which is weird because she's on the sidewalk. She doesn't know why it's honking at her. And then she realizes there's a car parked outside the church across the street. It's one in the morning. It's the only car she's seen. And just as she's sort of looking at the car and looking at the church, she is pulled from the bike. Oh. She said it felt like three to four people grabbed her. It's just one guy. But apparently he's real strong. With all
1: his hands.
0: I mean, I have to imagine she's like it's still 18 moving. 18 hands. Yeah, right? He's a Spider-Man, but like a <laughs> shitty one. Um, oh yeah, this is a quote. I felt a cold steel barrel of a gun on my left temple. He dragged me across the street. I couldn't see his face. He got me to the same car I'd seen in the parking lot. He threw me into the driver's side. I remember seeing a huge knife sitting in the middle of the seats. He blindfolded me. Found my hands, my wrists, and my feet, and took my seat and reclined it back. Shortly after that he drives off. I'm like, this is it. He's gonna kill me right here. It's not looking good. No. This is somebody who has so clearly done this before. He's
1: like got a system, he's ready to
0: go. He blindfolds her, binds her hands and feet, and reclines her seat back so that even if she can see through the blindfolds, all she can see is the roof of the car. Yeah. Like he has done this before. Yes. So, the next 26 hours of Lisa's life are horrible. Just, just a warning to all of you. She's not the light. No, this part, (laughs) this part is not the light either. I worry that this episode will not have much of one. Um. So, unfortunately, she is forced to perform oral sex on the way to the apartment that she is taken to. And then Long keeps her in that apartment for 26 hours and rapes her repeatedly, over the course of the day Lisa, the entire time she's not exactly sure who this is, like it could be any attacker She's not. she doesn't know that that it's the serial killer but regardless this doesn't seem like the kind of person who would let her live, so the entire time she's just like terrified that he is going to kill her so a quote from her is like, here I was thinking about killing myself and now I was going to be fighting for my life like, what a strange dichotomy to have to deal with all over yeah. the course of hours.
1: Well, it's one of those things. It's like with suicide, like, that's your your choice of how you're going to go out. You're choosing your time. You're choosing your way. You're not choosing 26 hours of torture right. before.
0: Yeah, nobody would. And just the idea of, like, well, this asshole doesn't get to decide that for me. Yeah. Like, yeah. So Lisa says that Long during this time was very aggressive. Um, He ordered her around and she did whatever he said. Just out of fear and also out of, you know, into keeping him from hurting her further. And then at one point, he tells Lisa to get in the shower and he bathes her and she says it was like he was gentle, like he kind of flipped a switch and became sort of nice and he would hold her and wash her hair and... Yeah, he was touching her nicely and then, uh, you know, but then he would flip a switch again and become a monster. Like he was just, he would go back and forth and she was hearing this happen. She has the blindfold on all, the whole time. She never actually sees his face. Uh, this is a little weird. So at one point, Lisa asks Long why he's doing this, which I imagine is something that most victims just don't get a chance to ask. Yeah. Like what a fascinating thing to be like, okay, why are you doing this? And he answers directly, which is the other weird part. He literally says he is doing this to get back at women in general for a bad breakup he had, which is the most cogent version of that I've ever heard. It's like, you know you're doing it because of that, and you're still doing it. Yeah. Like, I like to think that most fucking monsters like this don't really have that good of an understanding of what they're doing. They just know they have a lot of hate in their heart and they know that they want to hurt somebody because it makes them feel good. But they don't think about why. Bobby fucking Joe Long has thought about why, apparently. So he had a bad breakup. I'm trying to think if it's his Mm ex-wife or if it's somebody else. But regardless, he went on to rape 50 women and kill 10 because one bad breakup and he knows that's why he's doing it. Anywho, Lisa up in this bitch playing it smart as hell. I'm so proud of her. (laughs) So in the things I read, Lisa had like a combination of things that helped her survive. First, she watched a lot of crime dramas on TV. Nice. I know, right? Like we do that. Boom. High five. (laughs) <laughs> like, i like to think that that might we help got this yes
1: <laughs> this podcast this is not a like invitation for serial killers out there though like hey, yeah if you're listening to this podcast for some reason maybe it... to get tips and tra- tricks <laughs> on how to not let people escape uh... you i certainly hope
0: that's not what's happening Ooh. yeah but, like, we're not don't just please don't we're both, like, super handfuls. Oh, my God. We're so high we'd maintenance. Be, uh, we'd be the worst. You don't even want to deal with this. <laughs> <laughs> I can barely deal with myself half the time. Yeah. But, yeah, I like to think that this podcast, plus, like, things on the ID network, plus, like, the show I survived, mm-hmm. are just, like, really helping us out. If we do get kidnapped or some shit one day, like, oof. Oof. Totes goat, Speaking of which... Um anybody who's also keeping up with My Favorite Murder right now I really wish that Karen would stop doing I Survived episodes she's very good at explaining them and I love listening to them
1: but she's
0: chomping our flave a little bit
1: Yeah like hey hey My Favorite Murder stick to murders guys Yeah it's called My
0: Favorite Murder
1: not hey, My Favorite Survivor leave us,
0: leave us our survivors please we need this it's all we have Karen Otherwise we're exactly the same as you guys, but not as funny. And that's not cool. Hey, we can be funny. <laughs> but yeah, but like we're not professional comedians.
1: <laughs> um but- my Taylor Swift song <laughs> was amazing. Excuse you. You're right. Uh-huh. So you're you're so
0: right. I'm so sorry. Karen's like 30 years of experience like means nothing compared to your. Because wonderful- I don't know about
2: people. <laughs>
0: Well, you do know about bees, so... (laughs) Anywho. (laughs) I still love them very much, but just like, damn. Yeah. Can we just... Can we have this one thing? Karen. Karen, come on. I love you. Please. Please. (laughs) Um. Okay. So, crime dramas. That's where you like... Those are really unrealistic, but you do learn like, here's how they collect evidence in a certain way. So she's thinking through this... She is doing everything she can, can to remember every detail. First of all, she's putting her fingerprints all over his bathroom. Everywhere she can. She's just touching. Just
1: touch it. Just, just touch fucking everything. touching
0: everything. Yes. It's so good and right. In addition to that, she is remembering what things smell like. So she remembers that when she was walking from the car to the apartment, it smelled like a wooded area. Like there were a bunch of trees around. She remembers that the apartment smells really new. Like, Like, new paint and new carpeting. Whoa. Yeah. um, She was able to catch a flash of his license plate of his car on her way into the apartment, and all she knows is that the color of the license plate is red, which is weird. I don't even know what kind of car that is. Whoa. Because, like, collector's plates are blue. I have no idea why Mm. a red license plate would exist. But anyway... So she's fucking gathering evidence, even though she can't see, even though she's like enduring all this fucking torture, she's getting it. And I'm just so damn proud of her. Now, this is like unfortunate and maybe a little controversial, like, but this is just my thought that she also has, unfortunately, experience in sexual abuse, like her whole life. So like this happening to her, she's in a way used to it. And is able to, like, maybe keep her head. Or at the very least, she knows exactly how to talk to him. Yeah. Because, like, sucks, but like it's, it's horrible, but it might have, like, it let might her... Have her survive. Yes. And yeah, and no one should ever have to endure that. No. Ever.
1: But, like, and some people are able to power through it mm-hmm. with no experience in it whatsoever. Oh, yeah. Just able to disassociate from the moment. Sure. And keep a relatively level head and some people can't and that's okay Mm -hmm. it happens
0: yeah and i was thinking about the disassociating versus staying in the moment type of thing and how staying in the moment would help you gathering your evidence but disassociating would help you not go fucking insane yeah and like somebody who's endured that their whole life is probably pretty practice on whether they're they're disassociating or not like it's it's their choice more rather than just something that happens to them so regardless Even if that's, you know, that's all speculation on my part. I totally, I'm not a fucking therapist. Obviously, I talk like this. Um. (laughs) So, but she did know how to talk to him. Like, that was one big thing. She knew how to speak to him so that he wouldn't hurt her. And so she said she would talk to him very gently, like a four-year-old. Like, she literally treated him like a child. And she would say, listen, it's unfortunate how we met, but I could be your girlfriend I could take care of you and no one ever has to know this happened. Stuff like that. Just Mm -hmm. like trying to placate him that like, you're looking for somebody who's going to stay with you and understand you. I can be that. Like, I won't ever tell anybody that this happened. Just don't kill me. That's her number one thing is like, just don't kill me. And it works. Like, apparently he's, he's really into being talked to like that. And he starts to soften up. And at one point, He even puts her hands on his face so she can feel what he looks like. And this is another moment for her to remember every fucking detail. He has pockmarks on his face, he has a small mustache, he has small ears, and he seems like he's kind of a stout man but not overweight, just a big guy. Like, tall and sort of wide face. She remembers all that shit. At three o'clock in the morning, a full day after she's abducted, at one point, um... Yeah. Long tells her that he doesn't know what to do with her. This is when she's reiterating, like, I could, I could take care of you. Like, just if you keep me alive, then this could be, this could all be okay. You could have what you want. And he says, no, I can't keep you. Tell me where you live. I'm going to take you home.
1: Oh shit.
0: Holy shit. Okay. And I'm sure she was like, Oh, what? And is this a trap? And holy shit. How did I pull that off? Like all at the same time. Um, so she stays blindfolded for the car ride and then they arrive at her house and Lisa gets out of the car and long drives away. She hears him drive away. And this is a quote from her. I pulled my blindfold down and the first thing I saw was this gorgeous, beautiful oak tree. And that moment I knew my life was about to change for the good. I saw the branches of new life. I had wanted to die before and now I wanted to live. So Lisa was able to tell the police everything she remembered, all that stuff that I had listed. The evidence she gives them helped them actually find him because it turns out, like, he was already wanted in three counties because he was really bad at cleaning up evidence. Like, he didn't think to wipe up her fingerprints because he was leaving, like, fibers and hair and, in like, all different crime scenes, and his car linked him, like two different crime scenes just from all the other ladies fibers and hair and stuff that was left in there. Like he was not a meticulous man. How
1: fast he was going. Exactly. He didn't care.
0: That's like literally what I put in here was like long strength was clearly in the speed of how, how fast he took victims and not in how meticulous he was at all. (laughs) Like he would not, if he, if he had been slow and methodical about it in any way, he probably would have killed a lot fewer people before being caught Because, holy shit, was he bad at this. But, regardless, like, they were having trouble finding him. And her evidence of where she was held helped them find him. So, he was first brought in for just for Lisa's abduction. And then over the course of interrogation, he eventually confessed to nine murders. So Long is still in prison now. He's on death row. As of 2015. And, like, there was nothing updated on Murderpedia saying that he had been executed. Um, he received 26 life sentences without the possibility of parole, seven life sentences with the possibility of parole and two death sentences because our sentencing system makes no sense. <laughs> Emily's face right now.
1: I just, I don't get how that works.
0: I don't either. I don't see what, once you've sentenced somebody to death, it's, Yeah, but he's also on death row. So why, why even give him the life stuff at all? What's yeah. the point? Because he's got, like, 376 years in prison, but also he's going to die any day. I get the idea that, like, even just for, like, the victims, like, ha- knowing that he's been sentenced for every single crime that they could prove he did yeah. is good. But I'd just be like, blanket, death penalty, look at all this shit you did. You're going to die. <laughs> like,
1: yeah. honestly. Yeah. Like, I get stacking the life sentences. Oh, yeah. With no chance of parole, Mm -hmm. because there is some closure that it brings to the families in the courtroom hearing, like, on the charge of murder in, Mm -hmm. you know, the first degree. Yeah,
0: you get... just keep repeating that. You get sentenced for this person and for this person and and for this this person. person. Yeah, for sure.
1: and the ability to speak out to try and get them a heavier sentence. Mm -hmm. Everyone has that opportunity. But, like, also doing the ones with a chance of parole, like, that's where I don't get it. Mm Mm-hmm. It's like...
0: Is that just what the law is on the books, where it's like, well, for this particular crime, they get a chance of parole, so you have to sentence them that way? I don't know. If anybody has a really good explanation for why we do things that way, I would love to fucking hear it. Now, hey, listeners, this part is the light. Yay! I don't know if Emily has one of those, so...
1: Um...
0: Bask in this glow for as long as you can before shit gets bad. Hmm. Lisa... So Lisa believed she was given a second chance and she used the hell out of it. Today, she is a sheriff's deputy in Hillsborough County in Florida. She says she became an officer so that she could be a protector. A quote from her, no one is going to get hurt on my watch. That was my motivation to become a police officer. I'm no longer a victim. Lisa overcame so fucking much. Like, abuse for her whole life, this horrible incident, and now she's A sheriff's deputy trying to keep her community safe. It's just amazing. Good for you, Lisa. We're very proud of you. Yay! And the the best thing that I read, it's so good. Lisa plans to attend Long's execution whenever it happens. This is a quote. I want him to see the person I am, how strong I am, and that he didn't damage me. Also, I already know the t-shirt I'm going to wear to his execution. It will have his name on the front, long, and on the back, overdue. <laughs> long overdue.
1: Oh, shit.
0: <laughs> uh, if y'all don't love the fuck out of Lisa, oh my god, then oh, I don't know what shit. to tell you. <laughs> oh, my god. Can you imagine doing that? Like, going to your that attackers.
1: ballsy. I I'm... love it.
0: It's awesome. Do you think that she'll, like, go in there and have his name on her shirt and he will be like, what the fuck? Oh, is that Lisa? Hi, Lisa. Why you got my name on her And then she turns around. Uh. (laughs) I just... I don't really know how she's going to play that, but I'm into it. Yeah. I desperately want to hear an update for when this fucker dies. I do, too. Yeah. We'll try to... You know, if anybody hears that he's going to get killed in the next few weeks it's or like some we shit
1: in Florida. Cause it yes. might be like notified in Florida. It might not hit national circuits.
0: Although that's the whole thing about Florida is that they are required to report a lot more shit than other yeah. States are. That's yeah. why Florida so man might. exists. <laughs> yeah, We might so hear it.
1: We might hear it. If we can pick it up from a Florida,
0: but if you're newspaper. in, but yes, if you're in
1: Florida, please
0: tell us just to be sure. Cause I want to know when this guy dies and I want to know, if Lisa has anything yeah. cool to say. Yeah.
1: Cause, <laughs> Cause I bet she'd like do an interview wearing that shirt. Oh my God. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, I, I would want to see, I just want to see her just like triumphant victorious face. That's all I want. Like, I love you so much. Thank yes. you. All right. That was the light. Yeah. And, um, that might be the best we can give you as far as nice stuff. Because Hey, Emily, what the fuck are you going to do?
1: Okay. So I'm going to talk about, The My Lai Massacre, which is, like, one of the most infamous massacres during the Vietnam War. Why
0: you gotta, uh, why you gotta do that, Yeah, I'm gonna talk
1: about that. So, a little bit of information about the Vietnam War, because...
0: (laughs) That's legitimate. I think there might be a lot of people who don't know anymore.
1: Or, like, cat. Because it's, like, it's not taught in, like... Canadian schooling. That's
0: true. If you're not American or Vietnamese, <laughs>
1: like you probably don't know. You don't have a ton much. of yeah. So, like the Vietnam War was kind of weird because technically speaking, it went on for like 19 years. Specifically 19 years and 180 days. Woof. It started God, November 1st of 1955. But we really only hear about it from the 60s. Sure. Because that's like... Into, like, 75. Sure. So, like, the late 60s into 1975.
0: So, were we quiet about it until it was we like... We were
1: pretty quiet about it. Because yeah. um, my mom's boyfriend used to be in the Air Force... And he talked about being over in Vietnam in the fifties mm. before they started formally sending in like gaggles of troops.
0: Sure. So there was no escalation yet.
1: Yeah. But they were just it like was a quiet
0: maybe go over there and do a yeah, little bit of something something watching. That's great.
1: So the Vietnam conflict extract data file of the defense casualty analysis system.
0: Jesus, that's contains, a boring title. It's
1: so many words. It's so many. <laughs> it contains records of 58,220 US military fatal casualties.
0: Damn. of
1: the Vietnam War. If it, you wonder why they needed the draft.
0: Mhm. And that's, that's why. That's just American troops. That's
1: just American troops. Jesus that's not Christ. even counting how many Vietnamese people died during this conflict. Yeah. The US viewed its its involvement in the conflict as helping to prevent a communist takeover of south vietnam so remember how i said this started in the 50s do you know yeah. what else was happening in the 50s the red scare yeah where the u.s was freaking out about communism
0: yeah because like what it was, and in everybody russia. was
1: getting blacklisted
0: it was in russia and china yeah. by that point yeah, yeah. that's legit so God, everybody we was were... freaking
1: at Fucking McCarthy. Oh, my God. being an asshole and making Wisconsin look bad. I was
0: going to say, how much does it suck that that piece of shit was from here? Yeah.
1: God. So, yeah. So it makes sense that they would, like, want to help keep South Vietnam from going communist.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Wow. Oh, well.
1: Oh, well.
0: We done fucked up, I'm guessing.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so you had North Vietnam, which was communist. North Vietnam also had southern allies, known as the Viet Cong, which is going to play a big part. Because then you had the Viet Cong in South Vietnam, and we were helping South Vietnam fight the Viet Cong and North Vietnam. Okay. Okay, so here's what I wrote as I was sitting there like, why, why am I doing this?
0: Because you want to hurt yourself and others.
1: So, first off, a question you might be asking yourself. Emily, are you okay? Are you? (laughs) (laughs) Because this is just, like, this is such a heavy topic. And it's a little bit out there for the podcast because, like, we tend to do survival stories. And I do still have survival stories that can tie into, like, an uh uh-oh feeling. Because these people in this community trusted these soldiers and were forming bonds with them because they used to bring them, like, candy and toys and, like, come and see them. And some of this, the stories is, like, they survived because they trusted their gut. They trusted their instincts on how to get through this. Plus also the magic of a couple people trying to save the day, which will be a light. Oh, hey, cat. Good hi, morning. Kat.
2: What's up? Hey. Good- Morning.
1: Hi. Good
0: morning. You guys talking about genocide? Uh
1: huh. Yeah, it's like genocide like because it's a massacre.
0: Babe, do you want a mic? Yeah.
1: <laughs> here, if you want, I have a separate mic, or
0: we can just share. We'll just share. Okay. Hey, so hey everyone, we've got Cat here, and we were just saying how most people outside of like Vietnam and the U.S. know nothing about the Vietnamese War. So.
2: Oh, it's the Vietnamese War. It's
0: a specific section. <laughs>
2: Yeah, is it the Vietnamese War, or the Viet Cong War? Is that the same thing? Yes, the Viet
0: Cong okay. are the people we were fighting.
2: We don't learn this in Canada. Exactly. It was like a paragraph <laughs> where it's, where it's had like nothing to do with it
0: Did it just say America done fucked up? Yeah.
1: Did they call it the Indochina War? Because that's like a very European way maybe to refer to it. Because there was like the first Indochina War and then the second Indochina War.
0: Yeah, and for us to say, call it that, we would have to acknowledge that there are other countries doing other stuff, and yeah, we don't like and to do that. Yeah, that's just
1: not cool, because the first Indochina War was France, and like... Yeah, boo, France. No cares about that, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> of all the things to talk about with Vietnam, and all the things that went wrong, and the draft, and everything that was happening stateside, with protests, and people being killed, and beaten up, and the not-so-warm receptions of soldiers coming home.
0: Y'all ever seen, like, half the movies?
1: Half. Half. the Just exactly half.
0: Exactly half of all movies are about this.
2: <laughs> I know about draft dodgers. Yeah. Good. I know a lot about them. Yeah.
0: A couple of our presidents have been that.
2: Yeah. <gasps> is it the orange one? <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's the orange one and the stupid one from the early 2000s. <laughs> she doesn't know which Bush,
2: one it is. No. Oh. Bush. uh, uh a Younger
1: Bush. Yes. Yes. Oh, cool.
0: Good job loved it
2: good
1: job proud of you all right so this i can't believe i wrote this sentence but this particular massacre is close to my heart
0: okay all right (laughs) yeah i can
1: go back to bed
0: i can see why you had a hard time knowing if that's how you should say that
1: (laughs) i was a weird kid okay
0: no you're a weird adult so you know it would make sense (laughs)
1: Um, okay cool
0: we Thanks. do this podcast, Emily. I know. Like, come on.
1: Alright. <laughs> Just throwing so, that out there. <laughs> this this story, this gut-wrenching, heartbreaking story. Um is something that I I wrote a paper about in eighth grade. <laughs>
0: Dang, you like twelve in eighth grade.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Everyone's like, oh, we're gonna talk about like something else. And I'm like, no, the Lai Massacre! <laughs>
0: I want to talk about um I want to
1: talk about genocide light. How old, how old were you? <laughs> like 12, 13. Yeah, I mean, I, like most eight, like most
2: people that age were still, like writing about like ancient Egypt and like the okay. Yeah, Jurassic I'm the kid who was like
1: 8 years old and I wrote a letter to Colin Powell. <laughs> and He's I got rich, really isn't he? No. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> he was he like was our Secretary of yeah, State for I think Clinton. Yes. I think. I think I got him and Colin Firth messed up. Yep. I yeah. I love you so much. Yeah, they look nothing alike. Colin and oh my. Colin Firth. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I love you. I know that you just woke up, but this is the best moment of my life.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I wrote him a letter when I was like eight and he never wrote me back and I got really like irrationally upset about it. <laughs>
0: I mean, and I still
1: hold some resentment towards him.
0: I mean, that is garbage. Like he has staff that's supposed to write yeah, back to people. So. I didn't even
1: get like a generic letter back. Right,
0: because that's probably what you would have gotten if they were being even cool a little. Because I think
1: I wrote him a letter about something happening in the world related to genocide. He was like, cool. he just didn't even like come back to me. I'm sure he didn't even I, like, see it. I hand days. wrote a letter. Eight year old me, yeah, hand wrote a letter to Colin Powell being upset about something happening in the
2: world. Honestly? I mean, did, maybe he, like, actually did send it back, but it's like if you write to Lemony Snicket where he sends you a coded message back. Yeah, maybe like you... Maybe you just didn't know it was not Colin Firth.
0: Maybe you just haven't... An... <laughs> maybe you just haven't... An... Powell? Is that it was? Colin Powell. Colin? Yeah, like, Col- Like yeah, like, yeah. it's weird. And not Col- It's, it's no. spelled
1: like Colin, but it's Colin.
0: I don't know why they That's would... That's a wa- real name? Mm-hmm. Yes. Of a of a very powerful man at a time. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> How did we lose you already? The massacre hasn't even started yet.
1: The okay, the other thing of why, like this story is so important to me. Because when I was doing my eighth grade paper, like my mom was very supportive of my choices, <laughs> and she wanted to make sure if I was doing this, I was doing it right. So, like, when I got really interested in the Rwandan genocide, she made sure I had a chance to meet Paul Bagina, who the Hotel Rwanda is based on. Fuck. And, like, with this, she managed to somehow... I still, to this day, do not know how she did this.
0: <laughs> Your mom was Because it magic. might have
1: been, like, military ties from, like, her father, because he was a uh, very high up in the military. She, like went through these networks of people and found someone who was a vietnam vet that was not only willing to talk to me but also to my class who came in to Lai after the massacre
0: shit so they saw the aftermath oh my god
1: so like he was willing to talk and it was fucking crazy dude Before I, like, dive into the Milai Massacre itself, I want to talk about the Tet Offensive.
0: Sure, I don't remember what that is because I don't remember fucking shit from history, so thanks.
1: Because (laughs) it kind of jump-started it because there was this, like, mentality change because these soldiers used to go into the villages and bond with the people, give them food, give them candy, take pictures with them, like, help them out. And especially with the Charlie Company, like, they noticed, like, this shift of not trusting the villagers anymore because they came across all these landmines. And they're like, well, these people have to go to other places and they have to walk by these landmines. So obviously, like, they know know where they they are. are. So if they're not Viet Cong, they have to be Viet Cong sympathizers.
0: Yeah. 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 So it's
1: no longer these are just people. In a bad place, being caught in a horrible situation. It's no. Suddenly, they're against us. Mm -hmm. Everyone is against us. Well, that'll
0: fuck you up. Yes. Yeah, that's real bad.
1: Yeah. So, And suddenly just losing like a hundred people is just, and then seeing these villagers and knowing they could have prevented this Mm -hmm. in some weird rationalizing justification of Horrible on, things on top
0: of everything you've already had to deal yeah. with, like yeah. in war and like watching
1: your friends get blown apart.
0: Yeah, and then just like general racism and yeah. like yeah, having a hard time seeing they didn't them as people. Go away. Oh, oh, no, weird, right? Oh my god! I think didn't it might have gotten
1: worse. What? <laughs> so the Tet Offensive. Tet is a Vietnamese holiday, which is their celebration of the lunar new year. Oh, Chuck Mung The bitches.
2: That was adorable. That's Vietnamese food.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so they usually would call a truce because this was such an important holiday. Sure. Like Christmas. Yeah. So like war between the North and the South would stop. You can definitely like go on to history dot com for a lot more information on this because there's a lot. Um, but early nineteen sixty eight, the North Vietnamese military commander, General Vo Nguyen, Yap, decided <laughs> Yep. <laughs> yep, that the Tet holiday wasn't going to be a time for peace.
0: Oh no! He was like, "Uh huh,
1: fuck, fuck yeah. that." So January thirty first, he decided to do a coordinated offensive attack of more than one hundred and twenty surprise attacks.
0: Just like throughout the country.
1: Yeah. Oh my To try God. and break the the stalemate they'd been in, he. Also tried, he, like, he managed to attack the U.S. embassy in that same...
0: We hate it when that offensive.
1: happens. Yeah. I do
0: gotta say, no, we, we fucking, fucking hate, hate it, it. when that happens. Yeah,
1: do not attack our
0: embassies. We get so we mad. We get so
1: mad. <laughs> so, Giap also believed that the alliance between South Vietnam and the U.S. was unstable. So he thought if he attacked the U.S. embassy and, like made it look like south vietnam did it oh, then fuck. we would like stop helping them
2: no why he's trying to he's frame trying really somebody
0: hard. and during this huge thing like that's gonna work out he's
2: a big old dumb he's
0: a big old dumb
1: so here's the thing while he succeeded in surprising people he had spread himself way too thin with his troops so the U.S. and the, the South Vietnamese forces were able to pretty much counter almost all of the attacks and fucked up the Viet Cong numbers a whole bunch.
0: Shit. Okay.
1: Giap lost a lot of Viet Cong soldiers in the attack. He,
0: he thought if he, you know, did a little bit in a lot of places as opposed to pick a couple places right. and have a shitload yeah. of people there. Yeah. Like, yeah. And that did yeah, not go well. It didn't so he work. He
1: spread himself too thin. Yeah. Yes. Okay. But this was a lot. Like 120 surprise attacks.
0: That's V bad. But if we have more people in general, like.
1: Yeah. It's so that not was well. January 31st of 1968. Mm-hmm. And then the My Lai Massacre was March 16th of 1968. Oh, God. That's so recent.
0: Yeah, dude. 68? Yeah. Like.
1: 68. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Fuck. Yeah.
0: Some of us, I think people our age tend to think of it as like something that really happened a long time ago. No, we weren't alive. Exactly. So it was, it might as well have been 300 years ago, but no.
1: No, no. It was, yeah. So the Milan massacre was suppressed by the US government for 20 months. It stayed out of the public eye. Mm -hmm. They killed 504 men women, and children. Jesus. And the government kept it suppressed for 20 months.
0: So I imagine... Are you going to walk
1: us through oh, what happened? Yeah. Okay, yeah, I'm not looking for that. That's why I said this is like a three-parter. Sure. <laughs> All right. It's the morning of March 16th, 1968. <clears throat> the Charlie Company, which was under the, uh, the direction of Captain Joe Medina... Did anybody else no. think Funky Go Oh, my God. oh, <laughs> oh I'm,
0: so I'm so sorry. I
1: literally, like, I was writing his name. I'm like, oh, those fucks are going to do it. I'm <laughs> we did. So, t- those sorry. fucks are going to do it. I wouldn't it.
0: have said anything except that you snorted. <laughs> I'm so sorry. So sorry. Please go on talking about a horrible massacre.
1: So they entered a Vietnamese hamlet called Milai, Lai, which was in a region called Pinkville. Which... Did
0: we name it that?
1: Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So the U.S. Army Fuck. named this group of hamlets and sub-hamlets, which are like the little villages. They called it Pinkville. And, like, usually, like, a lot of bad shit happened in, in Pinkville. Charlie Company enters My Lai on a search-and-destroy mission, expecting to find Viet Cong from their reports. And remember, they've just been through landmines... They are on edge. The Tet Offensive happened. They don't trust a goddamn person. Yeah. So they didn't find any enemy troops. But they still killed, like, a whole bunch of people.
0: So they went in there looking for enemy troops. They found only civilians, and they were like, fuck it. We're going to fire anyway? Yeah,
1: they were ordered. Orders were given by... The higher ups, because they were like, oh, they must be hiding or these people are Viet Cong. You just, need to kill them. But they weren't. No, they weren't. But the higher ups fed it, saying, hey, this is a direct order. You need to do this.
0: Because, yeah, because at this point, they just they literally don't trust they anything. Don't trust and anything they're just mad more. and they want to get back at yeah. somebody.
2: Oh, yeah, so. let's target, like, innocent
1: civilians. That's cool. Yep.
0: If we can convince our people that they're not innocent civilians, they'll do yeah. it.
1: Because they were also trying to get their footing back after the Tet Offensive, too.
0: Well, I have to imagine, even if they were aware that, like, yeah, maybe maybe they're not here, but if we do this, then it's like, don't fuck with us. You fucked with the wrong people. Yeah. We, we are willing to kill your civilians.
1: They talk about, like, when they first get over there... Everything, it just, like, it felt like you were at a resort, almost. Like, there were beaches, you were in the villages, like, you weren't fighting mm-hmm. until, like, Tet Offensive started to happen and everything got amped up. Mm-hmm. Just a little bit. Just a, yep. just
0: a touch. Ooh, just a skosh. Okay.
1: So, the night before the attack, they were briefed by Captain Medina, and he was like, hey, yeah, like, these are these are sympathizers, these are you know, they're hiding Viet Cong. The Viet Cong are there, but these are also sympathizers, like...
0: We promise there are weapons of mass destruction. We promise. Just yeah. go look and you'll find them. It's Ooh. great. So, yeah.
1: <laughs> so, their orders, and this was in the testimony, because, like, this shit does come to light. It's not, like, the light at the end of the tunnel here, <laughs> but, like, it does come out.
0: Oh, so this part's not the light, either? Oh, God,
1: no. <laughs> you mean it's not over?
0: <laughs> no. No. no.
1: So their orders were to kill all guerrilla and North Vietnamese combatants and suspects. Oh, my God. Including women and children, as well as all the animals. Oh, yeah. You know what can fuck up your day? A five-year-old. Yeah. Yeah, that
0: fucking ox looks like he's on the other side.
1: That ox is clearly That ox is Viet Cong. Yeah.
0: Obviously.
1: So their orders were also to burn the village and pollute the wells.
0: Oh, good. Did they They, salt the ground, too, so that nothing could ever
1: grow there again? Fucking close. Yeah, what the fuck? They were close. Yeah, I bet. They wanted to wreck this shit. So, this is a quote. So, they're all VC, now go and get them. There was a question asked, who is my enemy? The response was, anybody that is running from us, hiding from us, or appears to be the enemy. You have guns! If You're walking man, into their home! If a man is running, what? shoot him. Oh. Sometimes, even if a woman is running with a rifle, shoot her.
0: So they're just assuming if a woman has a gun, she's via Cong yep. too. Yep. Great.
1: Alright, so... March 16th was a Saturday. So at 7.30am, about 100 soldiers from the Charlie Company, led by their captain were also being followed by short artillery and a helicopter gunship barrage. They all landed, and they went in to Milai and started fucking shit up. So the villagers were getting ready to go to market, and when they saw the the soldiers, they didn't like panic or anything, because they just walked into the village. Sure, I mean I imagine it's kind of Normally. And it was, common. To it. Yeah, yeah. it was common to see soldiers. Sure. Har- Harry Stanley was a machine gunner. And I think he's one of the ones they actually interview in a documentary I watched. Um, during the investigation inquiry, he said the killing started without warning. He first observed a member of the 1st Platoon who led them into this. Kill a Vietnamese, a Vietnamese man with a bayonet. Just and went then, up and stabbed him? Yep, just stabbed him. Fuck. And then that same soldier then pushed another villager into a well and then threw a grenade grenade in. Holy shit. Yep. And then basically all hell broke loose. So he saw 15 or 20 people that were mainly women and children that were kneeling around a temple that was burning incense. They were praying and crying. And they just started, they just killed all of them.
2: They just started shooting them in the head.
1: So, yeah. Yeah. So it just starts going and then they start rounding up people into like the middle of the villages and killing people. People were hiding in the shelters they'd built. They were throwing grenades into that. Yeah. Now it's, oh, look, they're hiding. Yeah. Now look, they're hiding. So we need to kill them. Right. Oh my God. So, oh God, I'm going to butcher this name. Okay. Um, Fam Beng Kong was 11 when this happened. So, he was in a dugout shelter with his mother and his four siblings. An American soldier tossed in a grenade. He was the only survivor, and he was severely wounded and unconscious for hours with all of his dead family members. He survived a grenade
0: blast. Yeah,
1: in in his shelter. He was the only one. Damn. His father and neighbors found him. They must have thought he was, like, dead. Yeah. yeah, I
0: bet you don't go in there thinking, oh, let's look for survivors. It's
1: going to be a content warning, guys. This is not good. This is going to, this whole thing should just be a content warning.
0: I mean, the, yeah. It's
1: graphic and think, horrible and awful. I really do think we've tried our hardest to warn people on this one. Because <laughs> he, he wasn't unconscious. Like, it wasn't like a. Concussion from the blast where he just doesn't remember anything. He remembers it. Oh, God. And he remembers watching his two year old sister die. Oh. Because she got, like, the main blast of the grenade. And they talk about this happening a lot with landmines, too, where people kind of just get split in half. Oh, God. Yeah. So. He, yeah. He watched that happen to his two year old sister. Oh, man. So. What the fuck? <sighs> Fum Tuan remembered hearing gunfire and she thought that it was like the South Vietnamese army coming to kill their chickens or pigs. But it wasn't. And this takes us into the next portion. So they gather people into the middle of the village and killed them. And then they gathered more people into the middle of the village and led them to an irrigation ditch. That doesn't sound good when you're being herded together. Yeah. Pham was Mm -hmm. with her two daughters who were five and three? They were led to the small irrigation ditch with hundreds of their neighbors, and then the soldiers just opened fire. So you mm-hmm. have just people falling into the ditch. She managed to avoid being shot and kept her two daughters like under her. Oh my god, that's insane! Wow. Yeah. And here's a quote from her: "I had to climb." My daughters
2: like they they were alive though.
1: Uh, Yeah. Okay. Wow. So her quote: "I had to climb over so many bodies. I was crying so much. I wondered what had happened. Why were the why were we the only ones left to survive? So in that ditch, because they they didn't count it, there were 170 people that died in that ditch. And they were the only three that got out. There were a couple. Mm Okay. And this is like this is so specific. Her daughter, her three-year-old daughter." Um, Wen T. Lin remembers like only pieces mm-hmm. of that day because she was three. Mm-hmm. But she remembers screaming and a lot of blood and that the American G.I.s were chewing gum. Oh, my oh, God. Weird. Chilling. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Can you imagine if that's one of your first memories, though? Holy shit. Mm-hmm. How your entire life is different.
1: Yeah. So then um, another quote from Fam. Afterward I was always scared. I would close my eyes when I ran through the rice fields. I got scared when the wind whistled through the bamboo groves. Just like the constant state of fear mm-hmm. that still lives with them. They have PTSD. Yeah. So I mean that'd fucking do it. Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So <clears throat> cowti do. How many of there are these? Yeah. I just uh-huh. of these uh-huh. are there. I, so time. she lost two children during the my Lai massacre, but she says that she has forgiven the American soldiers who committed the atrocities.
0: Wow, I have to admit, maybe you're getting there. I don't know. Has our country issued an apology? Is my question. Like, have we specifically been like, "This was bad," and we yeah, are I think sorry?
1: Also, when Barack Obama was over in Vietnam, he visited the my Lai massacre memorial. Oh, good. Um, so this. This will be my, my last one of the Vietnamese people. Mm-hmm. Because then I'm going to get into kind of a light, a, a fake light at the end of the tunnel here. So, um, Duba was also a child when mm-hmm. this happened. And he was also herded into the irrigation ditch because he were asking if anybody else survived. Yeah. And he managed to survive by fucking just... Pure luck and then playing dead. He got grazed by a bullet that left a scar on his chest. But he was grazed by the bullet. He wasn't shot. Oh. Dang. So he was still alive but like bleeding. And he managed to capture the attention of one of the the helicopters that was flying around was piloted by Hugh Thompson, and this is going to come into play later. So this was piloted by Hugh Thompson, and then his crew member, Larry Coburn, who was on the gun, they got him onto the chopper. They saw this was happening. They knew it was wrong. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. They got him on the chopper and got him to a hospital in Quang Ngai, and then they came back. Thompson and his crew landed the helicopter in between American soldiers and fleeing villagers. Whoa. Dope. And he told, Thompson told his gunner, if they shoot, kill them.
0: So they were ready
1: to kill American soldiers to protect the Vietnamese people. Holy shit. Because they were trying to run to a shelter down this road because they had already watched as they were flying over. They watched a group of women and children that were running. And American soldiers chasing them. Yeah. They did one circle and came back and all of those people were dead.
2: Oh my god. So then they
1: saw another group running and they're like, no, fuck that. That's not happening again this time. And they landed in between them and were like, uh uh-uh, uh, you're done. You're fucking done. So, another, another guy, and also, um, the Vietnamese people, especially do... The kid that they saved. Mm. He still has a photo of them in his house. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Like, he, they recognized, like, they helped stop this from getting worse. Mm-hmm. So... This
2: whole thing... Hang on. This whole thing was being documented, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, the photographer, Ronald Haberly... Yeah. Was... He... Oh, God. So, the photos... Our graphic. If you Google Ronald Haberly, Milai photography, and that's M-Y-L-A-I. You can just find that shit? Oh, yeah. It's out. And it's horrible. Oh, no. It's, it's, there's a very famous photo of a woman like screaming and holding her children behind her with like two other people. And it's one of, like, if I showed you guys this photo, you would probably recognize it. Sure. Like, it's it's that famous, but it's like. It's that famous. Like it's probably
0: in some of our history texts. Well, oh, maybe not.
1: No, it might be because it's not like a graphic. Oh, sure. That photo.
0: I have seen that. I've yeah. Seen that. I yeah. couldn't tell you from where, but yeah.
1: Yeah. So that's one of the photos he took. <clears throat> that's from Mili during this day.
0: God, the grief um, on her face.
1: Yeah. They were killed seconds after the photo was taken. Oh, my God. God. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Because the other thing that was happening in this photo, there's a note saying that the woman holding the boy in the black shirt was adjusting her buttons because she'd just been raped. So that was also happening.
2: I mean, I'm not surprised. I wish I could be. They were
1: raping people. They were setting houses on fire and then waiting for them to come out. Sure. And then killing them. Jesus. They were just pillaging. They were just brutal. And it became this mob mentality of just massacring people. So, another name that's going to come into play, Lieutenant Callie, was responsible for the ditches of people. He had everybody get brought over to the ditches, and then he ordered them to fire. Oh, God. He was also responsible for a lot of the other shit that happened of like people getting gathered in the middle and being just massacred. So there's a quote from private first class, Paul Meadlow when he testified stating that he was repeatedly ordered by Lieutenant Callie to continue firing. So this is a quote. There were about 40 to 45 people that we gathered into the center of the village, men, women, children, babies. And Lieutenant Callie came over and said, you know what to do with them, don't you? And I said, yes. Yes. I took it for granted that he just wanted us to watch them. And he left and came back in about 10 or 15 minutes, and he said, how come you ain't killed them yet? Oh, my God. Jesus. And I told him that I didn't think he wanted us to kill them, and he said, no, I want them dead.
0: What a fucking supervillain-level monster. Jesus Christ. So, Man, are we sure that it's, like, not alcohol time? Because <laughs> this is
2: so bad. I mean. <laughs> so,
1: Ronald Haberly. So, he took these with an army camera. And the ones that were either subject to censorship or did not depict any Vietnamese casualties. Of course were published in the Army newspaper. Oh, my fucking God. Like, look at all the cool stuff we're doing, but not all the death. Here's the thing. He took the photos with the Army camera. Those were in black and white. He also had his own personal camera. Color? That he used in color. Oh, God. So all of the color photographs are his. And because he took them with his personal camera, he was able to then sell them to the media... To get the story out. Yes.
0: Oh, so he was there being like, this is fucking horrible. This is
1: fucking awful. Damn. He was was in one of the the documentaries that I watched. Mm -hmm. Being like, I was just like fucking astounded that this was happening. And I knew this was wrong. Mm -hmm. So he took the photos and he, after being honorably discharged, Hmm. (laughs) he got out of the military. Okay. And then... Gave the photos to the Plain Dealer, which is the newspaper that broke the story. hmm November 20th, 1969. So he gave those photos to the Plain Dealer and then later sold the photos to the Life Magazine, which were then published December 1st. Of 1969.
0: So nobody knew it was March 16th of
1: 1968 Eight. all the way until it December. It didn't break until November 20th, 1969. 1969. Yeah. Holy shit. And then it just <laughs> exploded. Um, yeah. Because but... these photos, they're so...
0: And we were already pissed. It was not... It, we didn't want to be there anymore and yeah. then to see that this just... was what was happening. It just...
1: Dis- it. The photos are disturbing.
2: Yeah, I just did a quick Google while you were talking, and I'm regretting it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, the photos are horrific. And they were now out in the public. Which means, now the government has to formally do something. Shit starts getting organized, despite Nixon's best efforts to not have this become a formal inquiry. (laughs)
0: i mean look i the deed been done like we have photos
1: yeah so he was trying he had a couple senators in his back pocket during the shadow campaign because he used that a lot of like using puppets in congress to be like oh yeah you're fine just vote for this do this convince other people to get on this bandwagon It's going to be great. Manipulative as fuck. So Nixon like was like, yeah, form this subcommittee. (laughs) So they formed this subcommittee with the hopes of sabotaging the investigation into the Mili massacre.
0: Good. Great. Normal.
1: Yes. It's fucking great. So they wanted to stick with the president's desire to not have this harm the army and not have a lot of the information come out. So they were like, nope, this is fine. We're going to try and prevent any convictions of soldiers who may have committed literal war crimes. Who may have committed. I love yeah. that phrasing yep. on
2: that. Maybe a little bit.
1: Yeah. We have some pictures, but we just One or don't two. know. Maybe. One or two war Maybe. crimes. Maybe. We just don't know. So they started calling in witnesses. <laughs> so from December of 1969, for two and a half months... And then a little bit more into about mid-April of 1970, the subcommittee took testimony, they were in secret sessions, and they were like, they locked it all down. And they sealed the testimony and they refused to share it with the defendant's lawyers. Now,
2: isn't that illegal? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes,
1: it is. Yeah. It's a violation of the Jenks Act. I'm not full of logic, but that seems like baloney. Yes, it does just seem like violation of the Jenks Act, fabulous. which states that the government must release evidence in its possession, including testimony of material witnesses upon the request by the defendant's attorney. Boom. The subcommittee's chairman, Congressman Herbert, Hebert? Hebert. Refused to release a the testimony. They're like, nah, nah. That means we can't win. Yeah, oh literally, because one of the criminal cases collapsed because of this.
0: Yeah, because that was their only because evidence. Because
1: Thompson and oh, other yeah. prosecution witnesses were barred by the judge from testifying in that case, and the lawyers couldn't use congressional testimony this
0: is not fucking justice at all like this is
1: nuts judges in five other cases refused to apply the Jenks act
2: wow also
1: it wasn't just this one dick they argued that they could obtain the same testimony from the key witnesses in their own courtrooms even though they were barred from testifying
2: that makes literally no sense
0: Well, it makes a lot more sense when you picture literal Richard Nixon underneath all the desks of these judges just holding on to their balls, just just twisting slowly.
1: (laughs) So the secretary of the army at that time, Stanley Razor, was aware of what was going on. Good. And he apparently protested it angrily saying the shenanigans were undermining the military justice system.
0: Y'all can't just use the word shenanigans when you're saying something serious.
1: (laughs) He recognized that they were sabotaging. He wrote, Hebert, three letters. Three individual (sighs) letters. Strongly worded letters, you say? Strongly worded, angry (laughs) letters. That'll work. Urging him (laughs) to postpone the hearings until after the army's court martials were complete.
0: You know, people used to cane each other in the floor of the Senate. I really think we should have gone what? back to that for this. Oh
1: yeah. It There's was a... like Senate meetings were fucking brutal. We should actually You've do been that a story.
0: councilman. Charles Sumner. He almost died.
2: Mm-hmm. From <laughs> getting whipped.
0: From getting uh caned cane
2: yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Over the head like sixty times. Yeah. Like just because some dude the shit was like, out of him. Yeah. You. Yeah, <laughs> awesome. We should have gone back to that for this.
1: Yeah. So the strongly let it, the mm, strongly worded letters were sent, and then suddenly, other letters were being sent by other congressmen, mm. saying, "Hey, this isn't cool. You need to stop. What the fuck are you doing?" <laughs> so one of the prosecutors Col- uh Colonel William Eckhart, was fucking just like, "uh-uh." He so condemned down. he condemned their tactics, and he's like, "Nope, I'm so it's glad. fine, yep, I'm gonna fucking fix this.
2: I'm so glad he has such a badass name. What's your name, Colonel Eckhart, my dear? Don't you worry, like, yeah, like
0: he could walk <laughs> into any room and be like, "Hello, I'm Colonel Eckhart. <laughs> I'm going to fix all the shit,
1: yeah, so he saw what they were doing. he's like, Uh-uh, no, fuck this." Because he also saw that they were trying to get Lieutenant Callie. So you remember that dude? Yeah. That dude? That fucked up dude?
0: The dude who ordered the babies to be killed?
1: Yeah. Who was also killing the babies? Fuck that guy. Um, they The government was trying to get him off the hook. Good. And turn the tables on Thompson to get him to be court-martialed for threatening the lives of his fellow soldiers. Oh,
2: my God. Because that
1: is something you can be court-martialed for. But here's the thing. If they're committing war crimes, you can't court martial the dude that tried to stop them from committing the war crimes. Yeah, I, just,
2: I feel like Yakety Sax should be fucking playing. Because oh. there's just so much yeah. going on. Yeah,
0: but
2: it's like with paperwork and Nixon is like under the desk. Yeah. It's the
0: slowest Yakety Sax. It's so boring <laughs> and yet so horrible.
1: Yeah. So they, the U.S. <laughs> army and the government, trying to cover this up, they were going after Thompson. Like, hey, if we can fucking discredit him, get him court martialed, get all of this shit done, nobody's gonna be able to listen to him, and then this fucking star witness in all of these prosecution cases is done, and he's gone, and the cases are gonna collapse. That's it. Well. Well, I feel like, hear me out on this. Oh boy.
2: I feel like Nixon could have done better. <laughs> I just, maybe that's a gut that's instinct. That's a quote <laughs> <by Amazon. laughs>
0: um, I'm so sorry.
2: Bear uh, <laughs> with feel, me. Hang on to your guys.
0: I just feel Stick as though, I feel, I feel as though the old boy <laughs> could have improved on some of the ways he did things. <laughs> oh my God.
1: So because maybe not of, do it in the
2: first place. Maybe.
1: Because of all this sabotage... The only one who was found guilty.
0: Oh no, 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 no.
1: Is it gonna be the fucking helicopter, bro? No. Oh, no. Thank, God. oh thank God. Was Lieutenant William Callie.
0: Good. It... He was
1: convicted of premeditated murder of twenty two Vietnamese civilians. I'm sorry what was it? Only that twenty-two.
2: And not was it five hundred and twenty? No. No. Those were so, the ones
0: they could prove that he like yeah, was like I'm gonna kill those prove. guys and then kill those
1: guys. So The rest just fell down, apparently. He was sentenced to life in prison. Now, more than two dozen other men had been recommended for court-martial for war crimes. Only five were tried. Four were acquitted. Fuck. Oh, that's
2: frustrating as shit. That's horrible.
1: Understandably, Callie's conviction made a lot of people angry. That he was the only that one convicted. Yeah. Yeah? Of 22 and not 504. I feel like you can't really fuck up
2: the numbers on that. I like, would also this like. This isn't a clerical error. No, I'd <laughs> yeah. also
1: like to point out remember Captain Medina? Yes, we do. <laughs> he wasn't convicted of war crimes. What? Oh
0: my god. Only
1: Callie was convicted of anything. From the My Massacre.
0: I can't imagine what they would have said was so different about the circumstances for everybody but Callie. It was
1: all the sabotage.
0: It's garbage. It was
1: all the sabotage.
0: Trash garbage made of trash.
1: Oh, I kind of want to go back to bed. So <laughs> pissed off people <laughs> sent Nixon 260,000 letters. Yes. And 75,000 telegrams. I hope nice. every
2: one of them gave him a paper cut.
1: Death by a thousand cuts. But here's the thing. So Nixon got a lot of angry letters that Kelly was the only one convicted. Now these weren't that.
0: Oh, no. Were they letters of support?
1: They were opposing the verdict.
0: That he shouldn't have been convicted at all? Oh, my God. Hey, everyone...
1: So there were protests, there were angry people that were like, oh my god, this is a horrible thing. But then, these people took the time to write letters and telegrams to Nixon. And Nixon fucking was like, okay. Released Callie. No! From the stockade after three days and allowed him to live in the bachelor's quarters. at Fort Benning, Georgia, under house arrest, pending appeal of his conviction.
0: Okay, look here. Okay. Mm. So he got, he got like 60,000 letters and 75,000 telegrams. And he
1: was placed on parole in 1974 after serving one third of a twice reduced sentence.
0: This is garbage. Yeah. Uh, but you know what? I mean, Nixon for-
1: literally released a war criminal. Because he got some strongly worded letters, and well, and
0: also because he probably just wanted to, and this gave him the excuse to be able to to
1: do it. So never mind my constituents. They've spoken and anger. Here's a quote from Carrie: (laughs) we weren't in Milai to kill human beings. Shut the fuck up. Really, I was there to destroy an intangible idea, to destroy communism.
0: Oh my god, shut the fuck up.
1: Killing those men." in me lie didn't haunt me
0: what about the babies dude what about the fucking babies you piece of utter fucking trash garbage I hope you're dead I, I Hmm. literally when I because I asked if we had ever issued an apology. It seems like the United States has not done an official one. He's
1: still alive and living in Miami, Florida.
0: Apparently, in two thousand nine, he made some sort of statement apologizing. I don't give a fuck. Like you want
1: the quote from it? Yes, please. There's not a day that goes by that I do not feel remorse for what happened that day in My Lai. I don't believe you. (laughs) (laughs) I feel remorse for the Vietnamese who were killed for their families. For the American soldiers involved and their families, I am very sorry.
0: I hope that's true. Mostly because I hope he's literally suffering with these memories forever.
1: So here, here's some happy. This never
2: happened, and you were just lying to us the whole time. That would oh. be dope. Oh no. Oh my god. Yeah. No. It was a dream. It's all no. a dream. It was a
0: dream. Um, we pan out, and we're all, all playing with the snow globe.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> America has never existed. <laughs> jokes on you america's not real
1: <laughs> so on march 16th 1998 local people and former american vietnamese soldiers stood together at the place of the My Lai massacre in vietnam to commemorate its 30th anniversary right. hugh thompson and lawrence colburn were there and they were commemorated on that. He was day. a
2: good, d- I like They're you. both,
1: good. yes. They're both, oh yeah, very no, good both That
0: they like witnessed this and, and, and intervened. Are the only people yeah. who intervened.
1: Yeah. And they were also trying to call for backup too.
0: Yes. Okay. They were to call Him for and the photographer, like yeah. those two and the photographer are yeah. like, okay.
1: Yeah. So, um, Fantina was 14 at the time of the massacre and she was one of the people that they helped save. And she says, We don't say we forget, we just try not to think about the past, but in our hearts, we keep a place to think about that. So they keep it in their hearts, but they don't ponder on it a whole bunch.
0: Sure. You never forget, but you don't let it rule your whole life. Yeah. Sounds like survival to me.
1: And remember, this is before, like, Callie fucking apologized. (sighs) Colburn... Fucking called him out. Yes! Yes, my boy! At this event, saying he challenged Lieutenant Kelly to face the women we face today who asked the questions they asked and who looked at the tears in their eyes and to look at the tears in their eyes and tell them why it happened. Rest in pepperonis. There were no American (laughs) diplomats and no other officials at that 30th anniversary.
0: Holy shit. I would hope... Were they, now that's a good question. Were they not invited because fuck them? Oh, or did they yeah. not show up because they're point. afraid yeah. of facing their shit? Hard to know.
1: Por que no los dos.
0: So that would have been...
1: March sixteenth, two 2008. Or oh, I'm sorry, 40 years. My oh yeah, 40 years. So I was, I was say That's
0: this year. Yeah. That just happened. The 50 year anniversary. Was just, last
1: year. Or this year. This yeah. year in March. Yeah. Fuck. So 40 years after the massacre, the Sonmi Memorial... Drew survivors and families of victims and some US veterans. The US was unofficially represented by a volunteer group from Wisconsin. What hey.
0: what hey. represent?
1: Jeez. Called Madison Quakers. What the fuck? Who in ten years <laughs> built <make> three <laughs> they built three schools in Mili and planted a peace garden. That's cool. That's
2: dope.
0: Thanks, Madison Quakers.
1: So I'm going to end on this quote. Specialist Frederick Widmer was an assistant radio telephone operator. And he's describing this boy that he saw. And I'm not going to get into the graphics, but he said he just had this bewildered look on his face. Like, what did I do? What's wrong? He was just, you know, it's hard to describe. Couldn't comprehend. I, I shot the boy and killed him. And it's I'd like to think of it. More or less as a mercy killing because somebody else would have killed him in the end, but it wasn't right. Fuck.
0: Yeah.
2: Hey.
0: Hey. Feel like garbage. Hey, yeah. How how did you appreciate <laughs> that being the first experience you've had today? Good morning. Good morning. So yeah. Morning morning sunshine, the earth says hello. Good
2: morning, Starshine. Here's the fucking Vietnam War, which you know nothing about anyway. This
0: horrible planet says hello. Would you like to live upon it anymore? Because get off. I wouldn't. Yeah, let's go. Can we thank leave? Thank
2: you, Emily. That was really, really cool, and I liked how in depth it was.
0: Yes, thank you for all those details that made me want to die. <laughs> yeah. I very much appreciated that. Thanks,
2: I hate it.
0: Look, sometimes we gotta do that shit. People appreciate the research. Even though They might also want to die a little bit.
1: (laughs) Oh, I mean, probably.
0: I mean, if you don't, then, like, you're a sociopath. So, cool.
1: Just, uh... So, that was the thing that happened. If you ever get over to Vietnam, there's a museum. And, like, statues and peace gardens. Hell yeah.
2: Yeah, I'd go to that.
0: Absolutely. Let's not forget our history.
2: let's not repeat this shit let's
0: also let's pay a lot of attention to everything that happens stay uh, awake right now because pay attention it's gonna be fucked up
2: stay awake I like that
0: so hey um I'm just gonna go ahead and keep this going don't forget your can of water everyone oh (laughs) god This has been a Daily Gravy production. Thanks for listening.